Um, obscenity warning, obscenity warning, obscenity warning, obscenity warning, obscenity warning, obscenity warning. Trying to think of an obscenity warning. Hey, this could be the obscenity warning. It could be Oppenheimer trying to think of a good obscenity warning. I don't, all I can think of is don't be obscene. I can just think that it gains you nothing in civil discourse to be obscene. Now we might be obscene in this episode a little bit, but don't, don't do as we do, do as we say. Well, that doesn't make sense because sometimes what we say are obscene things. The point is be better than us. Certainly you want your children to be better than us. So if they are young and impressionable, send them out of the room so they don't pick up these bad habits from us. Tell somebody how beautiful she looks in that photo of the three of us all sitting in a row. She's Thank like, you. So gorgeous. Was it the jumpsuit? What? Was it the jumpsuit? I think it was that your skin looks like a fetus. Hello, Jay Crew. This is Unorthodox, the leading Jewish podcast, at least until the Messiah comes. It's the leading Jewish podcast for now, in, in earthly time. I'm Mark Oppenheimer, and I'm very excited because this is our 100th episode. So to celebrate, we're doing something unusual. And I promise that for our regular listeners, this episode will be lots of fun. If you're a first-time listener, just know this episode is not typical. This is like entirely atypical episode. So go back to episode 98 with Jordan Hoffman and then listen to the live show, episode 99, then join this one. But this one's a weirdo. It's kind of a gift to the listeners who have been with us for a long time. What we've decided to do is take you behind the scenes of the show. We are putting ourselves in the hot seat. So yes, listeners, the Jews of the week are us, are me and Liel and Stephanie. And we've asked Periel Ashenbrand, a writer and comedian whom the New York Times has compared to a female Howard Stern, which of course is good for, we're, we're big Howard Stern fans here. We've asked her to come in and interview us. She's gonna interview each of us in turn, first me and then Stephanie and then Liel. And then we're all gonna come back together and do letters and mazel tovs and that normal stuff that you know. But but first we're going to be interviewed about all sorts of like stuff, behind the scenes stuff that you might've wondered about the show. So that's what we're gonna do in a sec. Before we do that, I do want to give you an ever so brief fundraising pitch. And please don't fast forward past this because you get important information about Stephanie's wedding if you stick with this fundraising pitch. We are grateful to be at 100 episodes. And I'm even not mad that I don't have a salary for doing these shows. Like this is there's been nothing, no pleasure like volunteering my time to all of you. Seriously, it's like one of it's one of the things I love doing in life. It's fun for me. But to keep going for another year, we want to raise $50,000. Here's the great news. We sent out an email to everyone who gets our newsletter and who is, you know, who follows us and we we told you about this fundraising drive about 10 days ago and already 20% of the money has been raised. Like we're almost at $10,000. So we just need to get 40,000 more and and I think we can do it this week. I think we can have a one week long fund drive. Like and then it's over. As soon as we get to $50,000, you're not going to hear me talk about money for another year, okay? If every one of you gives something, we'll get there in a week. Okay, we've created these very special prizes. And if you go to tabletmag.com slash donate, you can see what the prizes are. And they range from like a special pizza tour of New Haven with me to a study session with Liel to a study session with Rabbi Joseph Telushkin, the the famed teacher of of Jewish literature, all the way up to, I kid you not, for $18,000, you get an invitation to Stephanie's wedding. No joke. That's it. You've, you've been wondering about the wedding. That's how you can go. Now, listen, I have this vision that somebody out there wants to give us $18,000, but doesn't really want to go to her wedding. You just want to be generous. You can sponsor someone else to go to her wedding. And I know who it's going to be. Do you remember from our Boston live show? There was a girl, young girl, maybe she was, I don't know, 12, 13, who loves Stephanie so much that she came with little cat ears to like honor Stephanie and her cat, Cat Stevens. I think that girl should get to go to Stephanie's wedding. So if one of you gives 18 grand, you can sponsor that girl to Stephanie's wedding. Anyway, we also have laptop stickers and tote bags and all sorts of stuff. The point is, please give to us. Let's get this taken care of. Hey, if 300 of you give like 150 bucks, we're, we're done. Bam. And I've been hustling all day. This away, that away. Through canals and alleyways. Just to say, money trees is the perfect place for shading. That's just how Okay. There's your fundraising pitch. And now uh, I want to introduce you to Periel Ashenbrand. She is the author of two books. The only yes. yes. Yes, two books. One is called The Only Bush I Trust is My Own. Correct. <laughs> and the other is On My Knees. Correct. <laughs> now you have good titles. I do have good titles. <laughs> one one title for the column that I write for Tablet yep. magazine, which yep. probably I was qualifies to me to do this more than anything else. I just wanted to mention your book titles. Yeah. Is the chosen ones, <laughs> so that's another good title. And you're a stand-up comic, and you're you're just a woman about town. I do get around. Well, today you're an interviewer of podcast hosts. Yeah. So um, I'm on the hot seat first. Um, yeah. What can I tell you? Are you not concerned about 
inviting a perfect stranger to Stephanie's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be some serious FBI background check vetting. Okay, we like good. we know people. Liel knows Israeli army people. Who right. Are gonna, okay. There will be security. Okay. Yeah. As sort of a paranoid Jew, I feel like that that makes me feel a little bit better. As a Jewish mother. As a Jewish mother. Makes very, good. Gotcha. very good. Very um, good. We were talking about mothers and fathers before we went live. So you were telling me that you had four girls, which mm-hmm. I actually already knew because I did my research. True. Um, so you're a dad, amongst other things, and one of the roles that you seem to play on TV and on <laughs> podcasting um, is sort of the role of the dad, which is apropos, it sounds like. Yeah, people have mentioned that. We talk about that sometime, that like there's this there's this thing in podcasting, in, in any hosting, right, where somebody has to play the kind of master of ceremonies who other people play off of, right? So I'm the one who always has to say, like, who has to point at my watch and say, be like, okay, you know, that's enough time. Or, you know, I, I'm i the one who sometimes if the jokes are getting too ridiculous or too ribald or whatever, and these are often parts that are cut, you know, that people don't hear. But yes, I'm the one who has to try to be the grown up. And that actually is a little bit, that doesn't sit terribly well with me all the time because I'm actually the person in other settings who's usually, usually making those obnoxious comments. So in a way, it's like I've realized in hosting this, oh shit, I have, I, oh shoot, I have to grow up. How did you fall into that role of dad? I think probably just because it was my idea and my baby. Okay. I was the one who on any given episode would be like, this can't go off the rails. Like You wanted to make sure it worked. Right. I think I had more at stake probably because it was, my baby. They also both have full-time jobs at Tablet, which I don't. I'm like quarter-time-ish okay. editing some pieces and stuff mm-hmm. and doing a little writing. So for me, I think it was much more like, let's give myself a, a purpose at Tablet. <laughs> Whereas for them, it was like extra duties on top of the stuff they're actually paid for. And how has the show sort of changed from what you imagined it would be? Or has it? Yeah, I think it has. I've never gone back and listened to an early episode. I think that would be hard for me because I think, first of all, I think we just all know each other better and and we're just in a rhythm. Like it, does, it's, it doesn't feel, there's never a, mo- a moment of dead time now. There's never a moment of thinking, oh, we're on the air or being nervous. Like we just come in and, and do it. And where, where would you like to see it go from here? Like do you have um, – some sort of grand scheme uh, once you guys get this 50K? <laughs> I mean, if we had all the money in the world, I would love for us to do a lot of produced segments of the kind you might hear on This American Life or Snap Judgment or, you know, stuff where we go out in the field in the world of American Judaism and just find these. We're always hearing about these amazing people. You know, we're hearing about like the cantor who is also a shoemaker, who is also like builds houses to shelter the homeless, or we're hearing about the person who is like the world's leading expert on squid, but also is a Torah tutor. Like we, we just like these crazy weird people who are interesting and beautiful and fascinating. And I would love to be able to, to say, to find radio producers in those towns, which you can do and cut them a check and say, go give us a, a, a five to 10 minute piece on that person. So I'd love to like have like scenes from American Judaism interspersed into the show. Okay. I don't know if that would work. Like it might... M- break things up too much. I mean, I feel like part of the magic, if you will, is the three of you. So like, like you guys have to interview those people. I just feel like the interview, a lot of shows do interviews and I think we do them well. Yeah. I think I'm the worst interviewer of the three of us, by the way. I think Liel and Stephanie are better interviewers than I am. Doing interviews. I think it's a very particular kind of work. I'm curious to know why you think you're not a good one. I I think I vacillate between being like on the radio, that is. Not, yeah. In my print work, I think I'm pretty good, but I have all the time in the world in my print work. On on podcasts, I think I vacillate between being overly formal and polite and being like overly invasive. And the thing to do in a podcast is like just kind of keep a sort of low level pressure on the conversation. And I just don't think I've I think I'm too worried on this show about being the MC and so I'm not as free to be the good interviewer. Because you're, you're worried about everything because they'll just let the whole thing fall apart. I've got my eye on the clock. I'm worried about like recording the ads. I'm worried about the obscenity warning. I'm worried about- what, What's yeah. with the obscenity warning? We had to do one. We didn't do one for like 40 episodes. Nobody cared, but then some bean counter noticed we weren't doing it. What's your favorite thing about doing the podcast? My, fa- um, my favorite thing is honestly the mail. 
Like the letters that we get, and we read some of them, but some of them are like too long and too personal to read. Just about these people in the middle of nowhere who are like, you guys are my community. And some of them, it's like, you're my Thursday morning, you know, soul cycle community. But some of them, it's like, you're my Jewish. Like I thought I'd stopped caring about Judaism. And then they started listening to the podcast and it came back to life. Is there anything that has really surprised you? I think the gelling of the team, and that also includes Alyssa and Shira and Noah. We have this like very, I mean, we started with great people, a couple of whom left and, but like we've been with the same team for a while. And just, it reminds me of why I loved theater because until I was a freshman in college, I thought for, there were 10 years from about the age of eight to 18 where I wanted to be an actor. And the thing I loved about it, I realized at a certain point wasn't the craft of acting, which is why I shouldn't do it, right? Which is why I had to get out. What I loved was like the the team spirit, the like everything coming together, pulling off the show, things working in concert, and then having a big cast party. And I really like that aspect of it. I like the communal aspect of it, which I think had been is often in journalism miss which is so solitary, is often missing from my life. So you found your tribe. Yeah, I found my tribe. That's really nice. You've made me like totally paranoid about time now, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I mean, you know, finished. We, we should, we're over time, but that's okay. okay. We got everything. I think so. All right. Should we get, should we get Stephanie? In yeah. Here? All right. Thank you. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. I am nervous being on this side. I'm like on the other side of the table from where I normally am. Don't be nervous. This is like, I'm so not professional. Are you changing your name? No, but my cat is. Is your cat a fundamentalist Muslim? Not yet, but... um, Is it a fear? I feel like at some point he's going to make the natural transition from Cat Stevens to Yusuf Islam. At that point, he'll be Yusuf Islam Cohen. So, like, I don't know. It'll be, like, complex for him. I think that's why he has so much internal angst that he takes out on specifically me and Ben. Does everybody ask you that? Yes. 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 But I, I, mean, I always say, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what cat years are and then, like, time it for him to, like, be aware. I will say that we have this sort of, like, I don't, it's sort of like a Persian rug, a tiny little one that my parents, it's like in our kitchen. It's my parents, obviously. I would never buy that. Um, but he loves, it's his favorite place. So he's sort of on this like, I don't know. I think that that's his prayer rug, basically. That's, he's, that's the only place he's happy. Is he coming to the wedding? No, he's not invited, but he will be featured on the cake or in some way. Are you really going to let somebody come to your a perfect stranger attend your wedding? So basically, we were toying with this when we were setting up the fundraising drive. We were like, what are fun things we can offer? And everyone was sort of like listing things and everyone sort of like turns, looks at me at one point and they're like, it's got to be a ticket to your wedding. And I was like, okay, I actually don't know that anyone's going to want to come to my wedding. That's like a lot of work. It's black tie, like you know, it's it's it's. I feel like if you're like writing a check for eighteen grand, throwing on like a black tie. Oh yeah, then you obviously already have a tux. But so then, what we were at first, we were going to do a raffle so that if anyone buys a certain amount, they like someone's guaranteed to win. And I was like, I actually don't like that idea. It needs to feel very much like there has to be a barrier to entry to my wedding. Um, So we thought if someone sponsors the whole year, they can come. That's cute. That's Um, sweet. Yeah, I hope. I mean, I would love. I, I don't know. Maybe the person who got you an avocado slicer. Kate Jennings, my girl. She got me a present off my registry. Um, the first take person note, to do listeners, so. Take note, listeners. Take note. You know what? It was the thing I wanted most on my registry. That avocado slicer. I used it last night. Um, there's all those different parts of it. I felt like a. I felt like a real grown up with it. That's really sweet. You. Um, you, you've changed and matured throughout the course of the past 100 episodes as as one does as one matures and becomes a woman and gets married and all of those things. So I feel like these transitions are all coming together at once. Can you speak to that a little bit? Do you yeah. agree with that? I, You know, it's funny. I listened to the first episode before doing this. And I, that's why you're nervous. I know. I was just like, oh, God. But I really didn't. I mean, during News of the Jews, I definitely did talk because there was only three of us. But something that happened was that when there was a a fourth person, a guest, I would be, as I actually think many women are, like very conscious of the dynamics. And so if I felt that a lot of questions were being asked, I wanted to let that person speak and I wanted to hold back. It was after our first live show, we went to Yale and um, we had this Yale professor, Shelley Kagan, on and 
And he came up to me after after the recording. And he said, "Would you mind if I talk to you like you're one of my students?" And I'm like, "Sure, I'm on I'm on, ca- I'm on campus." That's not yeah. condescending at all. No, no, no. He said he was no. It was it was nice. He basically said, "Can I just say something to you that I would say to one of my students?" And I was like, "Sure." And he's like, "I listened to a lot, to the you know the previous episodes to prepare for this, and there are three people on that show on this show, and one person does not talk a lot." And I was like. I I know, and I was I was very timid because I felt in a lot of ways because we are so obnoxious. Well, no, no it was it wasn't even that. It was like these two men. I you know I'm I'm conscious of being younger. Um, I've been I started a tablet when I was 23 as an intern. I've been I I'm aware of like I'm I think I've always felt like I needed to overcompensate. Um, a little, in a little bit in in some way to say that oh I am mature. I can you know and as I've sort of risen through the ranks, I'm sort of still aware that I'm young. Um, I mean, I'm almost 30. So like, I'm ready to to not be young anymore. Um, but don't rush I think, too much. I think I felt that Mark and Leah, like they had books published, they they really knew what they were talking about. And so I should sort of hold back. They and just let them. sounds like they know. What I they're know. Talking about. And so then what actually happened was they staged an intervention, basically, um, sometime in the first year. And they said, you literally need to lean in, you need to talk more, you have things to say. And it was so funny to me that it came from them. Because they're like quite loquacious. Is that how you say that word? Um, they talk all the time. And so I, I I really force myself to talk more. You're like, I would talk if you guys would yeah, stop that was, talking I, for two and seconds. I kind of use that as an excuse, I think. I was like, you guys are always jumping right. in on a guest. I don't want to jump in on a guest. It's really hard to get a word in with you guys. And they were like, you gotta, like, you have to. Right. And so then I started realizing, first of all, they do not always know what they're like. I just realized right. they are right. there as full of crap as much as I am. Like I can say what I want. And and what's actually happened over the past two years is like I've actually become a much more assertive person. Right. Um, I'm not afraid to talk. I interrupt people all the time now. It's actually almost bad, but it's both professionally and personally, I feel like I've come into myself. Did you ever imagine this? No. Like was this this was not in your job description? It was not in my job description. It is the best thing I honestly that has ever happened to me professionally. I'm not joking. I think I've just I love that. I'm so much more confident um in my ideas and in myself and <laughs> I feel like I'm on the bachelor. Um you are. I'm about to bust I like, out a rose. Yeah, I'm like, I w- watched Rachel Lindsay last night, girl. <laughs> why'd you pick Brian? But <laughs> I think that this has been just like this bizarre growth opportunity right. for me. And the, my favorite thing is my is the interaction with the listeners. Um, mine has specifically been through Instagram. Like it's my prime source of communication and it's my preferred social media. I don't like Facebook. Twitter is just like kind of the worst. And so I'll put up stories from our recording and people respond and they're like, OMG, yay. And I don't know them. And right. so I respond to them and it's like I have almost these like mini friendships with people. And I just think it's- They're it's, called fans. But I don't They're called feel, your I mean, fans. I, I can't really, that's so, so bizarre to me. But I think it's, but I think it's fun to talk to them. And I love the idea that I have like all these new friends, basically. Because um, I, yeah, it's just Well, it's you're, just you're sharing intimate details oh, of yeah. your life. I'm interested in sort of how you feel about that or how your family feels. Yeah. I'm how the cat of... feels. The cat feels, <laughs> the cat does not like it. So the first thing about the cat is like six months after I got him, I pitched this piece to the style section of the New York Times, basically about like the cat lady as this like millennial power icon and all these women, these women taking back the identity of the cat lady. And I was like, look cat, I'm in the New York Times. And he like, since then, basically has just soured on me. He's like, I am not your meal ticket. Uh-huh. Um, but so... It, I think I'm kind of navigating it as I go. The wedding has sort of been a great example of that. I usually run, I think, no. I mean, the funny thing was my mom sent me a text message the other day after the fundraising drive went live and she literally texted me, I'm confused about the 18K donation. Where are they going to sit? And I was oh like, oh my God. Oh God. We had talked so much You're about- like in your seat, mom. I know. I was just like, we had talked so much about what the gifts were going to be, what the prizes. I, I had completely forgotten to tell my parents who were like putting on this whole shindig for us. And so I had to text her being like, oh, crap. Sorry, mom. Is it okay that we do this? Um, so yeah, there's been sort of like a blurring, but I think everyone likes it. I think the funniest thing is that people- I get so many emails and things like congratulating me on my wedding. And I That's actually sweet. think people love like a good simchal, you know? Yeah, people are like really so. rallying around it. Well, I think you're very genuine amongst your other charming qualities. Thank you. And I think that that really um, is one of the things that really shines through. Um, I think that as a young woman with a strong voice, that other 
little girls. I mean, I don't know how, how old, you know, how, how young we're going, but that's where you look. Yeah. No. And that's where like, you know, 16 year old, 17, 18, 20 year old girls on Long Island who are interested in becoming writers or journalists or whatever, like, where are they looking? They see you. No, and they're I like, think, oh, wow. Yeah, that's true. I have gotten letters from people that are like, I love that you stand up. To, like, it's so great when you stand up to Mark and Liel. Or like, Mark's always mansplaining. I'm so glad you stand up they're to They're kind of bullies, right? And they, no, but I love, and the funny thing is, I love, like, Mark and Liel are family. You know, like, we have these, like, family therapy meetings every, like, six months or so. To <laughs> it's like a check-in on the show and to plan, and it ends up being, like, a therapy session for all of us. Um, but... You guys should have a therapist come on, like, once <laughs> oh every God. few months and but, do what I'm doing. Yeah, I think the... It's just interesting to hear from um, women who are just like, you like you go, go girl. And yeah. I'm like, oh, who knew this could like be this weird, empowering That's thing, awesome. which is what I'm what I'm here for here what? for this. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we found you or that you found it or that you stumbled upon it. Yeah. I think like the best things are usually like that. Yeah. And um, thank you for letting me grill you thanks for letting me talk at length about myself which is apparently my favorite thing to do now <laughs> i found my voice hi hello did they put you last on purpose <laughs> i'm always last always picked on Always picked on. I don't yeah. know about that. Um, you're the my people have been persecuted for millennia. What do you think about all of this mansplaining and sort of Stephanie holding, having to hold up half the sky? I. What do you have to say for yourself? I am a very, very big fan of Stephanie Butnick, mm -hmm. and if we've done nothing else on the show, then uh, you know, kind of uncover the the glory that is Stephanie, then it it would have been worth it. Then you've done a good job. Hallelujah. You, I feel like, are such a natural for this. <laughs> at what? Um, at talking? At, at talking, but it also, like, really, you're such an open person, so, so generous of spirit. I mean, I feel like that's really a, such a big part of who you are um, when you're not sort of talking about Ronald Reagan. Um, and I feel like you're such a natural at this. Is this something that, like, you imagined doing? Oh, absolutely not. I was so annoyed when Mark, you know, <laughs> forget, I think he emailed me. He might have called me. He's like, he called me. He's like, do you want to do it? He's like, uh-huh. Uh -huh. No, oh, it sounds like a really good idea, Mark, because people would want to listen to us talking. Yeah, no, I to I'm totally into it. And I hung up the phone and I I, I told Lisa, I was like, I, just, I don't want to do it. Like, how do I tell him? I don't want to offend him. Like, it sounds like were such a stupid idea. Were you good friends with him already? Or we we were friendly. I, I was a I was a fan uh, and kind of you know intrigued by sort of like working with Mark, but like not really into this idea because I didn't really know who would listen to us. Like that that was kind of like my, the, the guiding question: Who the fuck cares? Like, we'll sit here in the studio and we'll babble on. Why is that important? Um, I was I was caught by surprise here. Okay, I was wrong, and I'm, what? Ma I'm Lisa, mad are enough. Are you listening? And I'm mad enough to admit it. And did you? How quickly did you realize you were wrong? Um, when the mail started coming from right. people who weren't related right. to us, uh, from people like, who weren't related. Oh wow, to that though, these are humans out there, and they're they're listening to this, and and that's kind of an amazing feeling. And what is it? Like, where? what's the magic for you? Like, what do you think? Why do you think it resonates so much? I think it's just a lot of fun. You know, right. when we sit here, like, just the energy and the mm -hmm. dynamic in the room is is extremely kind of, you know, ebullient. I, I need to one-up uh, my two colleagues who've used, who've used <laughs> loquacious and ribald. So I'm using my own big words here. Um, but also, I think, you know, so much of our conversation publicly, I don't mean our as in the three of us, I mean I mean the United States of America. So much of our culture has gotten so incredibly fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. I think for there to be, and by the way, I think it's particularly uh, true for, for, for Jewish life. I think so much of the conversation devolves into absolute mayhem within two seconds. But you meet someone really? like, but what do you think about Israel and BDS and BB Netanyahu? And you're like, oh, fuck you. I, it's so boring. It's the worst thing in the world. Nobody wants to hear about this. And I think for there to be a conversation in which it's okay to explore, you know, 
what does it feel like to be Jewish? What does it mean? You know, with with candor, with humor, with with like real life cultural you know interests other than the very narrow political guidelines. I think that's really. Like kind of refreshing and yeah. and essential, and I'm yeah. so happy to be a part of it because without it, frankly, I would be I would be one of these people with like Kasha Varnishkas in his beard, standing <laughs> in the corner, being like, "But did you know that in 1967?" I was like, "Oh no no no, we're not doing that. That's boring." That's really interesting, and I think that um, well, I mean, we've talked about finding your tribe, which, especially with everything that's going on in the world, to be able to listen to unorthodox, pulls together a community of people in a way that is really important. I think so too, you know, because so many of the um, dividing lines that we've been given or handed mm-hmm. handed down make so little sense to us. Like, what are we? Are we reformed Jews? Conservative? Right. Like, n- nobody cares about these definitions anymore. And even the classical kind of like left-right divide doesn't necessarily play a part because, you know, for, for, for some of us, we have kind of complex identities. You know, we could feel some things, you know, domestically, some things internationally. We could sort of cobble together a political identity that is more, uh, you know, kind of full than just as a simple kind of flat label would ever begin to capture. And so to have, I, I like, obviously, because I am from the, the Israel, I like the tribe metaphor very mm-hmm. much with the, the desert and the knife and the camel. Um, I was going to say, don't forget the camel. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I think I think it's exactly that. I think it's a tribe of people where you feel welcome, where you feel like you could take all kinds of positions uh, and where you feel that the main driving thrust is this curiosity, really, to, to explore, you know, what this means to you. Have you become more open in some of your ideas? Um, <laughs> no. But uh, what does it mean to be open? <laughs> not to be, I, I don't understand the question. Uh, you know what? Not that, you, that, not that you're not or that you weren't. I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> but here, here's, the, here's the beautiful it's thing. It's a trick you know? question. It's a trick question. I'm sure if you ask Mark and Stephanie, they say, what the fuck? No. Uh, but I think that being here in a room with them, having to sit here every week with people who you know are A, your friends, B, kind of keep you close to the ground is actually tremendously helpful because right. it is really, really easy, especially for, you know, natural born assholes like me to just be like, you know, let me grandstand here because it's just, you know, it's fun right, to right, do right, and, right, and right, you're right. rewarded for it out there in the world. But just to be here and and know that there are people here who'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? No, come on now. Right. We get, you get you get to show the best of yourself and you get rewarded for it. That's right. It's It, it really is a kind of marriage, you know? <sighs> Stephanie and Mark are already married. We're all married to each other. Right, right, right. The wedding is just a cover. <laughs> Don't tell Ben. No. I think Ben knows. Ben knows. Talking about the mail. You guys keep talking about the mail. What is, I was going to, one of my questions that I wanted to ask you was like, what has been most surprising? Um, but I feel like maybe the answer to that is something that, that came in that the mail. <laughs> that people out there listen. Um, I, th- I think, I, you know, not so much. That we're most, doing the hundredth episode. First of all, it is incredible to me how incredibly tribal uh, our, our respective fan bases seem to me. Uh, you know, Stephanie uh, is, you know, Miss Congeniality, Miss Popularity uh, with her legions of, you know, incredible enthusiastic fans. You know, Mark has his very distinct uh, audience uh, of, of people. Of him. And, and then when I think about people who write specifically to cheer me on, it's like, you're, you know, God bless you. That's as, <laughs> as expected. <laughs> the gun-toting maniacs uh, uh, flood here. But th- the thing- We reap what we sow, yes? That's amazing. And I'm very, very proud. But th- the thing that really kind of gratifies me, and now I'm, I'm being 100% earnest, which for some reason is what we're doing here this morning. Um, I, I really know what this feels like to sometimes, you know, listen to the news, get completely overwhelmed and feel like, Oh my god! I'm completely alone. Out like there is no right. more intelligent life in the universe. And all of a sudden, like you hear another voice, and you're like, "Oh my god! Thank God there is some. There's like a beacon of 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 community. There's like a beacon of of like mindedness." 
I, w- there are other people. We're in it together. It's okay. It's going to be. It's okay. a very intimate medium. It really is, and and I, I'm so grateful for that because uh, because I feel like I have that too. I feel like the people who write us letters are not just you know oh our fans and want to meet us. I feel like they're they're really parts of of our community telling us that no matter what other depredations and degradations the American Jewish community might have to suffer in in the coming years and decades. Uh, we're all here together, and 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 it's going to be all right. It gets better. Is it going to be all right? I mean, you're actually somebody who I've asked that. You know, you're you're sort of like my um, beacon of political hope, which is absolutely terrifying Insane. on so many levels. Yeah. But is it going to be all right? You know, p- politically, cosmically, universally, I think we're headed towards absolute Armageddon. <laughs> I think it's going to be a, an utter, you know, complete catastrophe. Uh, and the one thing that gives me hope and it gives me real, profound, tremendous, you know, sense of, 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 of equilibrium is knowing that there are other people who are feeling the same insecurities. There are other people who cherish the same values. There are other people who are committed um, to the same ideas. And no matter what happens, we will find each other. Through the show or through some other medium, we will, we will gravitate together. And, and if we have to rebuild, we will with each other. That's really nice. Na- that seems like a perfect place to end. Why the fuck am I the one? I don't know. Being it hopeful. Just, it just happened. It's not fair. Thank you. Right. Thank, Thank you. you. Broadway comes to the 14th Street Y on Tuesday, May 21st. Join us at 7 p.m. for a conversation with cast members from Prayer for the French Republic, the Tony Award-nominated Best Play. Tony nominee Betsy Adam and fellow cast members Francis Benhamu, Ethan Haberfield, and Ari Brand will take part in a lively discussion moderated by the New York Times' Mark Tracy. They'll talk about the play's themes of Jewish identity, French culture, and Zionism in times of rising anti-Semitism. This event is part of 14Y's spring season of Jewish culture. As a Jewish community center, 14Y offers a variety of opportunities for people to discover, explore, and connect with Jewish life. Visit 14streetwide.org to learn more and purchase tickets to Broadway at 14Y. Hey, J.Crew, it is time for some pod biz. Tonight, May 16th, I will be moderating a Zoom conversation with Rabbi Sharon Brous and Shai Held about each of their new books. That's at 6 p.m. Eastern and the final event in my Unpacking the Book series with the Jewish Book Council and the Jewish Museum. This one's on Zoom, so no matter where you are, I hope you can make it. And tonight is actually a doubleheader for me. If you're in the New York area, I'll be at the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan at 7.30 tonight in conversation with Israeli rapper and singer Jimbo J. He'll be performing and there will be delicious Israeli food from Chef Mushka, who made the famous Horosets at our Passover pop-up. You can find links to register for both of those events at tabletmag.com slash unorthodoxlive. We also have some great events coming up for Tablet members in person and on Zoom. On May 16th, Catherine Wolf will be in conversation with Jews who refuse to back down against hostile crowds in various arenas, from municipal buildings, school board meetings, and of course, college campuses. She'll be talking with Club Z's Masha Merkalova, Safe CUNY's Avraham Goldstein, Attorney John Kovac, Mel Waldorf, Steve Goldberg, and UNC Chapel Hill student Daniel Stumpel. Also coming up, a warm and intimate Zoom for those who have lost friendships since October 7th. That's on May 21st and will be a great chance to connect and meet new people. And on May 30th, an in-person tablet meetup in Washington, D.C., hosted by Tablet's executive editor Wayne Hoffman and Catherine Wolf. That'll be at Charbar at 6 p.m. You can become a Tablet member at tabletm.ag uomember and get more information about all of these events. Okay, back to the show. All right, the gang's all back. Periel, um, thank you for putting us on. The- How'd we do? Did we do okay? You guys did okay. I would say that um, given the fact that we tu- we really turned the tables, I think you did remarkably well. Like it was a B, but a great inflated A minus. <laughs> it depends if you're sleeping with a teacher or not, maybe. <laughs> I feel like that was like cathartic. Like I feel like a little like it was a release. Um, no, it was and really do we need good. to like you guys pay you amazing. for this? 
Like, do you, I, how much I, do you charge per hour? I'm super happy to get paid. <laughs> okay, so before I go into letters, I do want to say one more time, rewind for about 40 minutes and listen to the fundraising pitch. Please go to tabletmag.com slash donate. Um, we're grateful for the $5, but we're also grateful for those of you who are going to give $18,000 and get to go to Stephanie's <laughs> How wedding. many people are doing that? But we're 20% of the way there. Take us over the edge. Keep us going for another year. You can spend year. a fortune on Hebrew school or... or <laughs> Exactly. You know, it's great. Right. Just let your kids listen. They will have a better Jewish education right here. Hey, let's thank our new subscribers, the law firm of Agnia Dremach, who sends a shout out to her friend Sadie, who introduced her to the show, and Alexander Hempson and Sarah Link Ferguson. Alexander Hempson. And the, whole the world's waiting for you. The very, very beautifully denominated Faye Vanderflute. Who is Faye Vanderflute? Faye Vanderflute uh, is a, a descendant of uh, <laughs> Katerina Wilhelmina Vanderflute. Uh, who is Mozart's lover, uh, about whom he wrote the magic flute, <laughs> for reasons uh, not to be specified on the air on a family show. So good. Faye Vanderflute. Uh, anyway, we are super grateful to have you, Faye Vanderflute. And thanks, by the way, for the $1,000 that your friend said you were pledging. I don't think it was the on-air shaming. No on-air shaming. (laughs) Faye, we are so excited. All we want is you. Faye, don't give us money. We're just, you've given us enough with your name. got a shout out to Sarah Link Ferguson. Um, She has a blog called Cats and LaCroix, which, and that's her Instagram feed. say that slowly. Cats. Cats and LaCroix. The soda. (laughs) And her Instagram feed is is Cats and LaCroix and also wine. And she has this great blog. And she sent me a LaCroix patch. We have the strangest, most wonderful listeners. She's amazing. No, I love her. And she has two cats and one of them only has one ear. A deformed she's Tesla a deformed Mav. Cat. I know a lot about born her. with one ear, or was that a an a, a I fight? Think, no, no, I think it was like fight? an adopted cat. I see. Very cute, though. Let's go to the mailbox. Uh, four letters of varying importance and length. We'll start with something sweet and simple. Hey, J. Crew, I got a kick out of your statement that Richard Gere doesn't look Jewish. When anyone sees a picture of my father-in-law, they say he looks just like Richard Gere. The picture is attached for your opinion. Longtime fan of your show, Sarah Goodhart's. I like she has like a sexy father-in-law. Yeah, like I, Ooh. you know, I looked at the picture. I didn't blow it up. I didn't magnify it. I sort of saw the gearness, but I'm going to take another look. And Mark, see do it. you have a sexy father-in-law? Alan Fremer? Oh, Alan Fremer's. I, I mean, he sort of transcends sexy. He's he's more. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's timeless. He's grand. <laughs> like he's, an Adonis. He's grand and timeless. He cultivates orchids. Uh, he repairs ham radios from the 50s. Wow. Um, you know, he's been the mayor of the Lower East Side since being born there. He's never lived... Anywhere else. Also a renaissance man, Jesse Cohen. Retired radiologist turned baseball coach. Wait, how did we he well, what was the connection there? That's, That's your my, father. my father. Oh, your father. Oh I get to be part of this too. <laughs> He's also you know like Jesse? my primary care physician, even though he Your father in law is your primary no, no, care no, physician. No, no, no. I just call him all the time. Oh, okay. I'm okay. like, okay. my head hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I call my father in law when I have chemistry questions because he was a high school chemistry teacher. All right, next letter. Uh J. Crew, I'm a bit behind on the episode, so forgive me for only responding now to the Into the Woods episode. I feel compelled to let you know that I resent the characterization of my shul, my home, Romamu, as only a hippy dippy feel good place without much deeper Jewish meaning. There is Rabbi Diane Kohler-Esses, there's the Chazan Basia Schechter, there's David Ingber, Samuel Klein, and more. Romamu offers davening and community, but not without the deeper Jewish enrichment component for those who seek it. Blessings, Kalila Nooning. Liel, you go, you do you know Kalila at Shul? Do you no. know from, do you know from Kalila? K- Kalila, please step up on Friday and say shalom. Um, I find it, by the way, so funny. I, I'm Kalila. This is with the utmost love and respect, but someone saying like, this is not at all a hippie place signed Kalila. Kalila with an apostrophe. Which is, which is like the hippiest name. Look, I. Is she Jewish? Is that, isn't that Apparently. Like- Kalila is a very Jewish name. It what does it the, mean? The, the, the perfection, the wholeness of the entirety. Oh, I it's, love a su- that. it's a beautiful it's name. Beautiful. Uh, I find it very funny for this for us to be reading this letter. Uh, literally the very week in which I wrote a piece on tablet, basically fawning over David Ingber uh, in the shul I belong to and and pay you know considerable dues to. It is yeah. funny. You I love Romimu. Love yeah. Romimu. It's yeah. my complete a home. Heart. And mm-hmm. absolutely, it's my yeah. home. It's my community. However, it is a. <laughs> When there are people doing Tai Chi during, you know, Lecha Dodi, like there are no two ways about it. It's part of its charm. Like, ha- you, is that how you say Lecha Dodi? I say Lecha Dodi. I'm trying to but Americanize I also say hummus, myself. So. I'm, depends I'm on trying your, to. Depends on your melody. You know. Oh, it this is reminds Lecha me. Dodi. So Shul, Friday Shul night. I'm, Friday night. Israel splaining here. I just have to say Friday night. This is there's no good moment to mention this. Every moment's a good moment to mention this. Uh, my sort of little community, sort of my shul, but also just neighborhood, had a big backyard potluck, Kabbalat Shabbat plus food. And Carol Weitzman did 
uh, the beginning, the first six uh, verses of Lachadudi to Hallelujah, Hallelujah which I didn't do Roman every week. I didn't Almost know you could week. do that. Oh, oh she's been amazing. to Roman. That's yeah. where she probably got it. It's amazing. Anyway, it was it was it was so beautiful. Okay, next uh, next letter. My wife and I have been avid listeners of your podcast from day one. We find the segments to be funny as well as informative. However, I'm not sure if it's my imagination or simply a function of getting older. But my sense is that Liel's use of the F word has dramatically increased lately to the point where instead of it's being appropriately shocking, it's just producing a wince. In any case, please accept my observations in good spirits and Yasher Koachachem, Yaakov Bernstein. Yaakov, I want to make a pledge to you. Uh, we're almost at the cusp of the holy month of Elul, a month of reflection leading up to the high holidays. Here's the pledge that I'm making. Throughout the month of Elul on this show, I will not be using the F word. I, I do, however, uh, need like a, a, a substitute, like a methadone curse word to <laughs> wean me off the heroin of the F word. So uh, write to us and suggest an alternative. This is like the Friends term. episode where it turns out Ross and Monica, instead of giving each other the middle finger growing up as twins, they had a like a separate signal because they weren't allowed to – that meant the middle finger. And it was like clapping their two fists together in, in front of their – but it meant the middle I finger. Like you loved Friends. Ross well, and Monica you know, are twins? They're siblings. They're not twins. Yeah. I didn't know no, that. they're twins. Oh, no, no. He's nor, older. Nor they're did siblings. I, I never watched uh, that. Well, did I. But, uh, you know that Rebecca's binge watching it. She's in season yeah. seven. She watches a Friends or two every night. On I the love iPad. that she's just like a proper 90s teen. She's a proper 90s teen. She's like, did you know that Ross and Rachel broke up? You're yeah. like, just keep yes, watching. All right. So, Yaakov... Yakov, so listeners, we need, a, we need a replacement Shalom. swear for Liel. Hey, Unorthodox crew, it was so much fun meeting Mark and Stephanie at the taping in New York. Send my love to Noam and Harry, who were also wonderful to talk to. Here's my gripe. I know the show is meant to be entertaining, but I draw the line when human lives are at stake. I was disappointed to hear you engage uncritically with Stacey Berman in episode, <laughs> in episode 98. She does human Reiki, a.k.a. pure unadulterated quackery, and sells what she literally labels magic shakes on her website for $7 per liquid, quote, meal. Devoid of licensure as a dietitian, she boldly offers personalized nutritional counseling services, no doubt informed by her yet-to-be-earned doctorate in natural medicine. This would all be quite funny if it weren't potentially devastating. Pseudoscience harms. Whether by preventing people from seeking evidence-based treatment, burning up their monetary resources on snake oil, or killing them through the use of unsupported medications and surgeries, the effects of pseudoscience are often destructive and dangerous. I hope in the future you'll think more about these issues when booking guests. Can't wait to hear episode 100. Please do another live show in my neighborhood soon. Best, Ariel Waltz. I, I thought that, that is she is a licensed letter. dietitian. Isn't that all where I can she started from? All I can say oh. is, I'll just leave it at this. Ariel came up to me and said all this after the live show. I was like, Ariel, you put in a letter. I'll read it. So, and, I, and I had the, uh, <laughs> I had Stacy's coffee shake the other morning, and it is amazing. I would shorts. like to say that Ariel should take heed because none of those titles that you earn actually qualify you in many ways to do anything. I would like to say that everything Ariel said is true, which is pseudoscience does harm and people should seek out proper evidence-based But I think we have a level of respect for our listeners that, you know, when they heard Carol Wilburn talk about feline Reiki, I mean, I did call her up to schedule an appointment, but not everyone has to, right? Like there is a level of... Yeah, but I mean, it's you a have fair to be intelligent. No, no, but, but it's a fair point. These people about- prey on the unintelligent, not not intentionally. Right. Intelligent people make their own decisions. I will say I felt bad. I'm going to cop to this that like th- there are really tough questions to be asked about people who say like right. magic shake, and I should have asked them. And I've written a lot about this, and people who there's a lot of um, uh, what's the effect the. Uh, you know, the placebo, placebo. there's a lot of placebo. What, if it makes you feel good, do it. But there is those concerns that Ariel brings up are, I'm a thousand right. percent. You should totally, camp. you should totally trust, you know, licensed doctors, uh, licensed doctors, the kind that up until say 30 years ago thought that being gay is a mental disease. See, this, is, this is what's These wonderful. These people yeah. are absolutely fine because they have a degree from a university. Oh, yeah. But oh, other yeah. people really? are not. Really? you're on, you're into the hippy dippy yes, Reiki. It's, I'm into not taking things at doctors? face value. Fuck yeah. uh, um, okay. There Sorry, was a Yaku. doctor oh. who got his degree from Harvard Medical School and was carving yes. his initials as an <laughs> OBGYN into the women's yes. oh but Reiki's, but Reiki's false. It, well, but no, right. I don't think I you mean, can say Reiki's chemotherapy is realer than Reiki. Chemotherapy. If, if we're not together on this, we've lost. Then Trump has won. Okay, next question. All right, next question. And Hello, again, unorthodox. Mark gets the last word. Hello, unorthodox. A friend has invited me to an upcoming challah-making night at the local JCC. My name is Rebecca, which leads people to think I'm Jewish. My advisor in grad school even assigned me a research project based on Torah. You know, because research is more interesting if you have a personal connection. Racially as- profiling. Torah, Aside Rebecca. from an unusual amount of knowledge on Torah as a physical object, my knowledge is pretty much curated by the podcast. Before I go to this challah-making, any advice on helping me blend in? Rebecca Estera, San Francisco. Yes, complain a lot. 
say the challah is not as good as and other such, people's And challah. such small portions. And such small portions. Okay, I have to say, Rebecca spells her name like your daughter with the K yeah. God bless and the Rebecca. H. So she got, really has that yeah. Old Testament thing going. Really Old Testament. I have to say, I think if you're the majority of people going to a challah class have actually never made challah before and don't know how to do it. And so I actually think you're in very good company and you don't need to be like, I'm not Jewish. I don't know what to do. You right. can just be like, I have no, I think, I mean, I don't know how to make challah. I would love to learn. Oh, I know nothing about Judaism. Oh, you're Jewish then. Yeah. No, yeah. you should say you're Reformed Jewish. That's you're what you reformed mean, right? Ju- that's, that's what I mean. Yeah, Rebecca, love you, Reformed Jews. You don't have to Keep worry listening. about this at all. Like, just go and learn and... And eat. And eat. You look hungry. And the rest is commentary. <laughs> the rest is commentary. All right, some mazel tovs. Uh, Stephanie? Guys, I have a mazel tov to our producers, Alyssa Goldstein and Shira Talishkin. I have to say, I mean, they pulled together that amazing live show. They, like, were on the ground during it. And they just have, have made this show. You know, we've had a lot of producers over the years. And, you know, we started out with the amazing Julie Subrin, who helped us launch this show, who deserves, like, major shouts. But I just, I'm, I'm so amazed by the work that they do for us. They do so much behind-the-scenes work. It's it's annoying. It's, it's tedious. And they are so good at it. And it's, I think, hopefully rewarding for them. And for Noah, who edits this show and who, like, I honestly think has understands what makes the show tick totally and and gets all of us and and when i every every week when i listen i'm like you made me sound so good thank you for all the things you cut see my muscle tub is going to be to eli roth for making the death wish remake with bruce willis which looks like the most amazing movie ever but now you made me look like such an asshole well that's my job uh, here so i know uh so just stick so, with that eli roth so i, I want to reflect and 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 thank really all of you uh, for this, this for is this like two artists. I don't like it. Well, we, you know, we get one episode every hundred weeks to do this, so why not? Uh, well, you you think you think Death Wish? Wait till you hear mine. So first, I want to give a shout out to Mike Schwartz, whom we forgot to shout out to at the live show. And Mike, who has like seven other names. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh right, Mike with twelve yeah. middle names, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, and a oh, shout. Out. It was amazing to meet him. Yeah. I was like the man with the six names. Yeah. And what are the middle ones? Are like Love Child. We have his. Cat he, Stevens, well, he sent us a Romamu. copy of his uh, driver's license that actually hangs in our office. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also a shout out to Emily Hammerman who turned Marav Braun onto the show Marav thanks Emily for that and okay and my Mazel Tov is to the great and Liel will be right here with me maybe you too as a 41 year old Periel Ian Zyring of 90210 fame uh, Steve Sanders himself for Sharknado 5 which came out this week oh and my. how did I not is, even know about that and is it every Shark Week one comes out I think there's an annual Sharknado now and yeah. I actually haven't seen any of the Sharknados because I don't have whatever cable channel that is but it makes me so happy when in my Twitter feed like Ian is back on top I'm sorry. for Final Jeopardy thing. do you recall the license plate on, <laughs> on his, his car Porsche. in the show yeah oh what was it <laughs> because I freaking know it you're actually the only person I've met who really beats me in 902 oh, man, I would take you down uh I don't know why. I was it? ate a Ferrari. <laughs> Wait, what? I ate a Ferrari. I ate a Ferrari. Was it a Porsche? Is that right? He had a Porsche. Had a Porsche. That's amazing. And his license plate was I ate Were a Ferrari. Were you like, I will go to America and live that life? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, I like, can we do a mazel? Like, I really like you guys. A mazel top to I'm just you guys. like so happy doing this. Us. And I like, this is the highlight. We don't say it enough, yeah, but I love you guys. Yeah. Yeah, I love you. Say it back. Too. Say it back. I love you too. I love you, Stephanie. Elba. We're dropping the elbow. Mark, I love you, Stephanie. Guys, this is real. I, I love know. you. Paul. It's really. It's I love become. You, Alyssa. Yeah, and it's really every piece of it. Like if Argo Studios, when are when we haven't been in Argo Studios, it's bad. Paul. Yeah. Paul is the freaking man. It feels so weird. We're off our game. Yeah, like right. this is our home. This is, this is our, our home. home. This is our home. Just no, why we're not leaving. No offense, you can actual spouses. <laughs> Whatevs. Unorthodox is brought to you by Tablet Magazine on the web at tabletmag.com. If you wrote to us and didn't hear your letter read on the air, I did this thing a couple weeks ago where I went on our Facebook page and did a Facebook Live where I read some of the letters. So you should be on Tablet's Facebook page and at some point in the coming week, I'll get back on and I'll read some more letters, do a live reading of some of the letters that didn't make it. So go to our Facebook page. Also write to us with your letters at unorthodox at tabletmag.com or put them in a voice memo and send them to us and then we can play them. Our executive producer is Alyssa Goldstein and Shira Telushkin also produces the show. The show is edited by Noah Levinson. I think still in the Holy Land, somewhere, growing a beard. Our wonder intern is Sophie Aresti. Our music is by Golem. Rabbinic supervision this week by General John Kelly, who's probably Jewish somewhere. We all are, at least a little bit. Kosher Slaughtering is by Wet Hot American Summer, which I wrote about at our website this week. We recorded Argo Studios, which is now hanging out full-time with The Mooch. For 100 episodes now, we have been proud to be part of the Panoply Network. Here's to 100 more, Panoply. Shalom, friends.
Yeah.